Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't have a job to Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here on Patreon or uh, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kenny McIntosh, I'm back from holiday and uh, I'm here with Finley Martin. Finn, did I miss anything? Was it a quiet week while I was away? Yeah, just a quiet week in your absence <laughs> since we last recorded nine days ago. I don't think much has happened really. Could have been one of the most boring nine day periods in pro wrestling history. <laughs> I mean, you know, the thing I, 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 I think I said to you, said to Dan, I said to various other people, I said, you know, something might happen when I'm away, and I'm just coming. You know, go away, enjoy your holiday, nothing will happen. And then, you know, just all this stuff just kept happening. You know, it was the Wednesday, so which was our first full day in Grand Canaria when the Wall Street Journal article broke about Vince. Yeah, and it was Friday when he stepped down. You know, and it's funny because I was, so I was, I was at a, uh, I was at a bar, uh, like a, a, a British pub thing at lunchtime on the Friday, um, and I and, and I and I heard from someone. It wasn't public knowledge yet, but I heard from someone. Vince has stepped down. The news will be out soon. And I phoned Dan, and you know, and Dan just said, you know, take the week off. Don't don't feel the need to do anything. And I phoned him. I was like. 
And he was like, why are you calling me? I said, well, I know I'm not supposed to call you, but I've just heard that Vince has stepped down. He was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so, so then we were scrambling to get something together. Then it gets put out. Then you've got all the kind of back, fallout from that. I mean, it was a major story. So, I mean, we should start with that, Finn. We should start with that. Nobody, you know, I, could, I could regale you of tales of, you know, drag shows and fishing villages and, you know, scuba, scuba diving. diving. Scuba diving. Don't scuba, diving. scuba diving. But who really cares about any of that when Vince McMahon has stepped down as CEO? Now, we should mention, you know, if you listen to us, you're expecting us to kind of, you know, be upfront with your opinions. And I think we should preface, I, I, I want to preface this anyway with, I don't think this is a permanent thing. I think Vince will be back as CEO once, I think, that, I think I don't think this will take him down, which I think most people are hoping he will happen for him. Uh, but as a, as a large story, nonetheless, whether he does come back to the CEO role or not, I mean, it's a weird thing, Finn, right, where he, he stepped down as CEO, but he's still in complete control of everything else. Yeah. And then appeared on SmackDown that night. They'd appear on SmackDown in character and appeared on Raw on Monday. So, which almost felt like a kind of a, you know, an an FU to to everybody. Um, I mean, I guess the best way to break it down is, shall I just kind of give the summary of the the Wall Street Journal thing and then we can talk? Yeah, yeah, you can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the SmackDown thing. Was it an act of defiance? Or some people speculated, at least after SmackDown had aired on June 17th, that maybe it was Vince's goodbye, his last hurrah. And he was taking one last opportunity um, to say <laughs> farewell to the audience. And, you know, it's very telling as well, a reaction to him from those WWE loyalists. I mean, he was over like Steve Austin in 1998. Well, maybe not quite to that level, but I mean, there wasn't many boos. No. I didn't detect too many jeers uh, amongst the applause for him when he made that appearance on SmackDown. No. So, you know, but that he, there I think was very telling. Uh, but anyway, Kenny, uh, you you carry on. Uh, yeah, but, you know, just, just to your SmackDown point quickly, but, you know, you do wonder how many people in that arena know or care about that kind of stuff. You know, do they, are they, is your average Joe who goes to SmackDown aware of the Wall Street Journal article on Vince? Do they, you know, do they know, do they care? Who knows? But he was, yeah, yeah. he was so over. No. He was. And I think a lot of people maybe didn't really understand it either. Um, because it's, you know, if he's if he's here and he's stepped down, then has he really stepped down? And you know, is that Vince McMahon? And you know, a lot of people I think get the real Vince McMahon and Mr. McMahon confused because there's obviously similarities between Vince the person and Mr. McMahon the character. So it's it, it is a strange one, isn't it? But you know, pro wrestling tends to provoke that reaction. And a lot of times people don't really know how to respond to things because it's like, well, what's real and what isn't? And like, is it a storyline? You know, is this is this like Donald Trump buying WWE? You know, is that, <laughs> is that what this is? You know, so anyway, Kenny, you carry on. Yeah. So basically on the, on the Wednesday, a Wall Street Journal article came out, which um, you know, Wall Street Journal, a huge outlet in the US mainstream um, and the article had basically spoken on behalf of this woman who was a friend of a female former employee of WWE. She was hired in either 2019 or 2020. Uh, she worked as a paralegal for the company. She worked under John uh, under Vince, I think. And then Vince and her began an affair. She was paid $100,000. And then her money was doubled to $200,000. Um, and there was also 
wording from the friend of the woman saying that she was passed around like a toy to John Laurinaitis. Now, you could infer various things to that. Um, and then, and then the, the friend of the woman said that she felt a lot of pressure from Vince, um, you know, to, to basically, you know, she wanted to get out of there. Uh, he paid her off. So she was, she's ba- the woman's basically going to be paid $3 million overall uh, as part of signing an NDA. Uh, so the I guess there's the moral part of it, but it's like Vince is having, a, you know, but we've known Vince has had affairs for years. This is not new information. Yeah. But the 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 parts of it that are more murky is that he doubled her money while she worked there. You know, is that is that a direct consequence of the affair? And also then paying her off in the hush money, even though he paid her off with his own money. Does that then look bad at the company? This is now opened up. There's apparently multiple hush agreements that have been made. Uh, well, the well they're, they're investigating that, aren't they? They don't yeah. know. I don't think they know yet how many there are. They yeah, think exactly. there are others, but I mean, I don't think we know for a fact if there are yet. No, they're, yeah, they're investigating that now. I think because I think there was there was talk that basically a second one had been found, and that and that made the investigation happen, which is being done by a third-party company who aren't going to be controlled by what Vince wants the outcome to be. Uh, so so that all went down on Wednesday, and then on Friday, it came out that Vince was stepping down as CEO. He would retain all of his creative duties. Uh, Stephanie McMahon was then <laughs> announced as the interim CEO and chairwoman. Um, I, mean, also- I mean, this is just, you know, she's, she basically steps away from nearly all of her responsibilities in May. Mm-hmm. And then the following month, she's appointed interim CEO and chairwoman. Um, well, we should also we should also say that once she stepped away, they leaked an article that buried her that said that she was you know not I mean not not in the words not very good at her job, but basically you know because because no matter why she does it, it does look bad if Stephanie leaves. So it's better to then kind of say, well, you know, Stephanie wasn't the best for the job, so you know she's moving on. We're finding somebody else. And then the next month, she's back doing the same role. Um, so, yeah. yeah it's, so- like, it's like a political scandal, isn't it? And you just think, oh, yeah, that person's finished. Like, <laughs> you're like, actually, no, they're not. How have they survived this? And it's just like, it really is. It's like some fast-moving, you know, political story with, you know, all this murky goings on and, you know, you know, information leaked to certain members of the press or media and then official statements put out and you're trying to determine what's real and what what isn't and where it's all going. And it's, I mean, what a whirlwind, Kenny. Yeah, it's a cra- crazy story. Um, the, so the, And then, and then in, the, in the kind of few days since, and early this week, John Laurinaitis is on administrative leave uh, Bruce Pritchard is now the interim head of talent relations as well as being one of the heads of creative as well um, so I mean it's, it's a very bizarre situation Triple H was back at the performance centre yesterday telling people in Orlando that he's back and he's got his heart issue he's back of course he's back <laughs> uh, so yeah I mean I guess uh, there's there's so much to, to it but what do you what do you make of the story do you think that this could be the, the downfall of Vince do you think that multiple th- agreements coming out is going to hurt him or do you think that you know based on his smackdown and raw speeches that he's just going to go on business as usual and probably survive this 
It, I mean, it depends on what else emerges, if anything. And obviously this paralegal, she's, I believe she's 41. Um, she cannot talk about this publicly. She, as part of the non-disclosure agreement, she cannot talk about this publicly or disparage Vince McMahon in any way. So that was the deal that she signed. Um, so, I mean, I'm not sure how that story can go any further. If there's anyone else who's also signed a non-disclosure agreement, then what can they really say um, that's going to be damaging to McMahon or more damaging than what's come out already, should I say? Now, if there are other people who haven't signed NDAs, um, who are credible, um, that could be devastating for McMahon. Um, I think it really depends on what else comes out, Kenny. I mean, it was a spectacular story. I mean, everyone was covering it. BBC, CNN, you know, every news outlet had this story. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just typed in Vince McMahon, like Bloomberg covered it. You know, Vince McMahon's scandal. And it's just this wall of stories on, on Vince and the thing that we're just discussing right now. Um, I mean, it's like, how is this going to affect potential sponsorships or partnerships? Um, I mean, the TV deals don't come up until, I think, is it 2024? But yes. I think they're going to want to start negotiating them next year. So it could well have blown over by then. It could well have blown over in, in a few months and won't affect those TV deals. We should, that, we should mention that one of the, the only other thing that has changed is the stock price has gone down. Yeah, but um, it's a very turbulent time at the moment with yeah. you know huge inflation in the U.S., UK, mass uncertainty due to what's going on in Ukraine. I mean, you know, if you listen to our news in the UK, you think that UK was only the only country in the world that had a problem. You know, just <laughs> look at some international news and like, my God, everyone's got a problem at the moment. And it's going to get probably going to get worse uh, for a lot of people, including us, I imagine. Uh, but yeah, the, I was aware that the stock price had gone down. But I mean, like the FTSE's taken an absolute hammering this week. So, I mean, stocks are down all over the place. You know, is this linked to this story? I mean, possibly it could have had, it could have had an effect or it could be having an effect. But I think possibly it's just the markets. Um, I mean, John Laurinaitis, it's, I mean, is he going to be the fall guy here? He's been placed on administrative leave. I mean, you know, Vince is still there. He's still running the show. He's appearing on TV, on SmackDown and Raw. His first appearances since WrestleMania. So it's like, what's he saying? Is it, is it an act of defiance? Is it, no, listen, I'm invincible. I'm bulletproof. You're not going to sink me. And I'm out here and I'm rubbing it in your faces, critics. Or was it his last hour, his last opportunity to sort of soak in the cheers and play Mr. McMahon. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, and Stephanie's back and she's interim CEO and chairwoman. Um, I mean, yeah, it's probably going to be temporary. And if Vince, you know, the thing is, if Vince has paid the woman off with his money, then he cannot, you know, that's, that's something that he's done independent of the company. The two he would need that, to. He would need to. He would need to find a way within the investigation, I guess, to prove why her salary would be doubled. Exactly, because that's company's coffers. So why has her salary suddenly doubled after she has entered into a relationship with him? 
And after there were so many office cuts at the same time. Well, exactly. And like talent cuts dating back more than two years. So, I mean, there's, you know, contradiction there. I think that could be problematic. How can he explain that one? So, I'm, you know, that one could be a problem. Um, the other thing could be a problem, of course, is if there's any more information that's disclosed. Maybe there will be. I don't know. But it's like how are sponsors and advertisers going to react to this? Do we know yet, Kenny, of any sponsors or advertisers bailing on WWE? No, no, none none have bailed yet. I assume that the investigation is going to be the deciding factor if, yeah. if anybody bails. Um, Remember back in, was it 2000 when there was the, uh, was it the pressure group? Um, basically did all PTC. those stories. Was it the PTC? I think it was. Yeah, Parents Television Council. Yeah, and that led to an exodus of advertisers and sponsors you know, from these people who do not want to be associated with WWF anymore due to the content of the product. And they felt like, oh, you know, this is not good for our reputation to continue spending money on WWF programming. And they like essentially shone a light on certain things that WWF had done back then. So that hasn't happened yet. Now, if that were that were in train, if that were in, in, in progress right now, people were bailing left and right. I think that would be a big problem for Vince as well. Ultimately, Kenny, to me, it's all going to be down to dollars. It's all going to be down to the money because that's what it's always been about. And that's what it will always be about in WWE. If this costs the company dearly and affects its ability to make huge money in future, then I think Vince may have to go. Um, You know, he said that in that statement that he'll respect the outcome of the investigation that's going on. You know, there's been all these stories of like, well, can, can the board remove him? You know, he's, he's got all these shares in the company. Could he just overrule them? And I think if it was a private company, then yes. But since it's a public company and there's so much money at stake here and keeping up appearances is so important as well. Um, you know, I think if it becomes, if, he's, if, the, if the money starts disappearing and it looks like WWE is going to be less profitable with Vince in the top job, then I think his position will be untenable. But it's also possible as well, Kenny, that he might just disappear for a while and then come back. Yeah, which seems like the most likely thing. I mean, I was I think I was talking to Sondra about this on Patreon, and it's something that you know you and I have spoken about this privately. We all we all know of various big names in wrestling and things that they have done that are not in the public arena. And people don't know about and if people knew about they would think very differently of those people and there's a lot of people high profile names who have basically got away with a lot of stuff that they did in the 90s the 2000s whatever yeah and it was it was an old boys club really about you know women are just kind of in some ways treated like toys and um, we've seen it and if, if we watch the retro shows you see how the women are presented there so i feel like the only thing that they could do and i don't know if vince would would do this now as a way to preserve himself, but maybe he tries to put on either either genuinely or just for show, have a sort of culture change where people are treated better, you know, if people are, uh, because there's so, there's so many stories that could come out about Vince. But the thing with Vince is if you, if you, if you, if anybody was to try and come out and 
tell stories about Vince, they would have to have no skeletons in their closet. Because if they yeah. do, he's going to know them. The company's going to know about them. Yeah. So I don't really, I, I, I do wonder if Vince is going to, I mean, by SmackDown and Raw, it doesn't look like he has any remorse about this or really sees it as a problem. Yeah. With so, his appearance as that character, but that, that's the tr- that's the weird thing about pro wrestling, isn't it? He's coming out as Mister McMahon. He's playing a character, um, but we all know there's a lot of the real. There's a lot of Vince in Mister McMahon. It's just the volumes just turned up quite mm-hmm. a bit, I would say. I, um, but yeah, he didn't seem to have much in the way of contrition. I mean, you look at it, don't you? And it is, it is just. I can't say I'm massively surprised by this story, Kenny, because I've been covering this this industry for a long time and um, I've heard so many things and so many things have come out in the past uh, that he has survived. Um, I mean, the weird thing about it to me is why did he feel the need to pay this woman $3 million? If indeed he did, you know, this is just a le- this is the story. Allegedly, he's paid her $3 million. Why did he have to pay us so much money? Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just don't get it. I mean, I know he could afford it, but it's like, why, you know, why would he have to shell out that much money for her silence? And I just find it odd. I mean, Vince is obviously still married to Linda, but I mean, as far as I know, they've been living separate lives for many, many years, if not decades. Mm-hmm. Many admitted to multiple affairs in his damn Playboy interview. And that was 2001. So, I mean, it's like, you know, I don't think they they have, they have like a traditional marriage. As, as far as I know, they, they just live pretty much separate lives. So it's not like he was doing it because he was wanting to protect his marriage. No. So why has he paid us so much money? I mean, it looks shady, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. And some of that language that was in the Wall Street Journal story was extremely disturbing, like extremely disturbing. Um, and, you know, the John Laurinaitis thing as well. Isn't he married to the Bella Twins' mother? Yeah, or, he's or, married to Kathy. Is it Collis? Yes. Yeah, they got married 2016, as far as I know. So, I mean, um, you, know, you know, maybe, the, maybe you know, their marriage... I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen there, but I mean, I wouldn't like to be John Laurinaitis right now. No. I mean, this looks really bad. Um, I mean, but it is, you know, it's double standards, isn't it? So, I mean, Vince has allegedly done this, and so apparently is John Laurinaitis, but he's lost his job and been sent home. And Vince has had to, you know, step down as CEO and chairman, but as is still running the show. So you've got major double standards going on here. So, I mean, that looks bad as well. You know, for a company, it's a public company. And they're putting out this statement, oh, yeah, we're investigating it. And, oh, Vince is saying, yes, I'll respect the uh, their findings. You know, whatever conclusions they reach, I will comply. And it's like, well, you know what? Should you even be there right now? You know, you should really probably have stepped away from the company altogether. If John Laurinaitis has been placed on administrative leave, why has Vince not been placed on administrative leave? So you've got a major double standard there, Kenny. I think that's fair to say, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. But, I mean, like you said earlier, the key is going to be, does this affect their bottom line? Because yeah. that's really what it's about. It's not about, you know, 
if this is morally right, it's morally pretty repugnant, really, that he's... But, but I mean, you know, there was multiple news outlets that reported on some of the other Vince uh, allegations, you know, the Rita Chatterton referee thing from 1986, where she a- alleged that he raped her in a car. Uh, there was the 2006 thing in Boca Raton, Florida, where a tannin salon employee alleged that he groped her. You know, and that... So there's... there's already stories out there about him um, and I'm sure there's many others that have not made it out there so I don't think anybody I think most people if you've if you've watched wrestling for a long time you kind of consume you know whether you read Power Slam or you consume podcasts so you buy Inside the Oaks magazine or whatever if you're a smart wrestling fan and that you consume all that stuff you're, you're not going to be too surprised that Vince does this kind of stuff because you can see what he's like on TV I mean it's as recently as 2000 five or 2006 I think it was he was you know doing the on-screen stuff with Candice Michelle and Tori Wilson and you know just just being a lich really yeah. and that's the character you know that's him that's what he does on tv so you know god only knows what he can get away with when he's not on tv so um but yeah I I have a feeling that he's gonna he's he's, he's gonna be fine which is yeah. not it's not great you know I, I wish there was more accountability and something would change but I mean if he gets away with this then what the message is is that he can continue to have affairs with people that work for him and have power over them and then once he's kind of had his use of them or you know they look like they might be about to be trouble he can just pay them off yeah yeah I'd say that's a that's a fair analysis of the of the situation um, I, tell you, I, tell you who, I tell you who has done well at this whole situation is Oliver Luck, former XFL uh, commissioner, president. I can't remember what his role was, but he had signed, he was one of the only people that had signed a contract with the XFL and Vince let him go within a year and didn't intend to pay the rest of his contract. So he's now settled with Vince, which, you know, you got to assume part of the reason that's settled now is because the last thing Vince wants to do is go to court about that. Oh, yeah, and doesn't need any more bad publicity. You know, this bad publicity, they're going to want to, they're going to want to, like, dampen this down, you know, and just hope this story doesn't have traction, doesn't have legs, and just goes away, very quietly goes away, and no the, you know, dirt is disclosed. Um, but, yeah, it's, when things like this happen, you start asking yourself a lot of questions um, about, you know, the company and, Watching it, and you know, in many ways, your, your entire sort of working life. And I've thought that many times over the years when things have happened in pro wrestling, and you look at it and you just think, "Wow, you know, this business—it's really bad." And then people say, "Well, you know what? It's better than it used to be." And you sort of think to yourself, "Well, actually, it is, but it's still not great, is it?" And then people say, "Well, other industries are worse." And you think, "Really?" And then stuff comes out in those industries, and you think. Well, you know what? Actually, they are pretty bad, those other industries. And you sort of sell it to yourself. But as somebody who's covered wrestling for a long time and we're still covering it now in the magazine here on the podcast, it's it's something that that causes you, you know, you sort of do feel quite a lot of shame to, to be involved, not involved in, but being on the fringe fringes of pro wrestling when things like this happen. Um, it's, yeah, it's really... It's really unsavory, isn't it? It's really unsavory. And I think Vince should have stepped away entirely. You know, I think 
you know, if he had any honor at all, he would have done. And this stepping down as CEO and chairman, I mean, what difference does that make, really? PR stunt. It's just a PR yeah. stunt. And he's, even if he was to, even if he, like, even if it came to the bit where it was like, he has to, you know, permanently resign as CEO, I mean, he's basically going to be telling Stephanie what he wants done. You know, she's not going to overrule him. You know, so it's it's a whole and you 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 bring up a really good point. The the moral dilemma of being a wrestling fan is get, gets quite challenging because whether it's Saudi Arabia shows or whether it's uh, you know sexual allegations or whatever, it, it's just always there. But I think you know you could if you're somebody who watches Disney movies, the problems are there as well. You know if you buy stuff off Amazon, the problems are there as well. Yeah, well, well, they are, that's it. And, you know, you speak to anyone who works in any industry and they'll just, you know, if they're honest, you know, they'll tell you uh, that things go on that shouldn't go on. And, um, you know, it's obviously true of pro wrestling. And, um, you know, I remember back in like 91, 92, when all this was going on, when I was a fan, just when I started Superstars of Wrestling and, you know, when the whole sex scandal and steroid scandals broke you're like I was like well what's going on here and it was just it was a very strange time to be a fan and you know you you caught you ask yourself a lot of questions about it it never was a real story over here in the UK actually even though though WWF was in the midst of the craze um at that point didn't really get that much coverage the sex scandals and the steroid scandals um it was more of an American thing. I think this press just weren't interested and just kind of found pro wrestling to be this rather absurd form of entertainment. And for that reason, it wasn't worthy of, you know, serious um, scrutiny or, um, or coverage. You know, it was just this thing that, you know, they made fun of. So it was never really a huge mainstream story in the UK between like 91 and 94, even though, WWF was massive in this country then. Um, but, uh, you know, things are obviously different now. And that's the reason why WWE in this story has, has received so much publicity from basically every news outlet. So, uh, yeah, huge story. I mean, bigger story. It, I, I think he's going to survive it as well, Kenny. I mean, I'd feel a lot happier if he just were to withdraw entirely and to just say, listen, you know, there's an investigation going on. I need to just extract myself. I need to just remove myself from this company and for him to appear on TV on SmackDown and then on raw was, you know, Vincent, you know, you think, well, how much of the real, how much of Mr. McMahon is the real Vince? And you just think, you know what? You didn't need to do that. There was no, there was no, it wasn't essential for you to appear on either program. You were doing it because you could and because you wanted to. And I just feel like, he would have shown more, you know, compunction or contrition for what's going on if he if he had not appeared on those programs and had just stepped away entirely until this investigation is complete. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Um, one other thing, that I guess, I mean, I don't know if this has come out of this. I don't know if this situation has anything to do with it. You could argue that it might. Um, Raj Giri, who runs WrestlingInc.com, he put a report out last week saying that. Sasha Banks is in the process of getting her WWE release. Uh, multiple other people have not been able to really confirm or deny it, but it, I mean, it feels like in terms of timing, this is not a bad time for Sasha and her attorneys to try and get it done. 
do you think she's going to be able to get it? And do you think if she is this the right move overall? Or do you think that if she did come back, I know we've covered this before, but you know, do you think if she did come back, there's a way to smooth it over, or is is it just time to part ways? I, I think they should part ways. Um, I think she needs some time away from WWE. Um, I think they can probably work it out. Um, you know, they, I think they just need some time away from each other, and she needs to do whatever it is that she wants to do. Maybe her hearts. Maybe she she's been offered an acting gig. You know, maybe there are opportunities for her out there uh, that are not wrestling related, and she she's eager to pursue them while she's hot, while she's as somebody and while she's still young enough to take advantage of them. And I think for me, if I was, if, if I, if I was, if I was her and I'd reached the end of my tether and I absolutely did not want to be there anymore, I think I would be pursuing the release and I would be really hammering it right now because WWE publicly does seem weak. Um, and it, you know, it's more sort of bad publicity. If there's a, a talent who's, disgruntled and doesn't want to be there and just giving her her release will just, you know, it will just dampen that one down as well. That will prevent that story from gathering any momentum. Um, and then she can just, you know, she can then, you know, take her, choose her pathway outside WWE, whatever that might be and pursue that. But I think she will return to WWE one day. I think, was she about 30, Sasha Banks? 29, 30, I think she is. Yeah, I'll find out now. I think she's I think she's just turned 30 from what I remember. Uh, yeah. Yes, she's 30. 30. So, I mean, even if she were to take two years off, she's still only going to be 32. So, I mean, she could come back and have another good run. But it feels to me like she's had enough. She doesn't want to be there anymore, obviously, because she walked out. Um, and I think if she were to return, it would just something inevitably would just happen again. And, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, look at Bobby Lashley. I mean, he left back in 2008, didn't he? And he just couldn't didn't want to be there anymore. He'd had enough. He, he couldn't stand it. And lots of people have left and come back years later. And I think for Sasha, it feels like it's time for her to choose a different path in her career. What do you think, Kenny? Yeah, I think it's I think it's time for her to go. I think it's very clever of her to sort of fight that now while she's got some kind of bargaining power, because obviously you know they don't really want to have any public spats going on as much as they can. Yeah. So you know I think the the optics of having this young uh, black woman who you know has had all these bust ups and she wants to go and she's walked out and they're you know she can sort of she could spin it as you know being held hostage in this contract. Da da da. It's not going to be a good look for them. So I think if if she can use that and get a release, more power to her. So, um, yeah, th- I, and I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I'm curious then what happens with Naomi, you know, because she's not really. Uh, I think she tweeted out that she's going to be on a TV show soon. Like, a, yeah. a, but I, I don't think she's announced anything wrestling related. So she's obviously got her husband there, her family there. I think that's probably one they can reconcile. Yeah, um, and they will. So yeah, possibly. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, the thing is, as well, it's just if if she doesn't want to be there and she's just going to be awkward when she is there because she doesn't want to be there, then she shouldn't be there. It's that simple, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's it's just like, well, why is this person here who's not happy in a job? She's a star. She, I'm sure she's in a good position financially. I'm sure when they, if they do reach a settlement, then she'll probably get a decent payoff. 
Um, and she's, you know, independently wealthy and can do her own thing. And it's like, well, you know, the better off, the better off just, the better off just doing their own thing. And then if they can work together again next year or the year after, then great, you know, good for them. So maybe by then, you know, she'll have reached a different place in her life and she'll have achieved those things. If she does have aspirations outside WWE, and I imagine she does, she'll be able to achieve those and then feel, right, I've gone as far as I can in Hollywood or TV or whatever. Uh, I've made all the money I can in this world. It's now time for me to plot my comeback. Yeah. So we'll see if she does. Let's, we've got, let's, let's try and get through that as, as, as many little things as we can. Um, Riddle and Roman Reigns, which was the main event of last week's SmackDown, drew a monster rating for uh, WWE. It was over 2.5 million. Oof. Was, the, was the, the rating for Riddle and Roman Reigns. I mean, obviously Roman Reigns is going to get the a lot of praise for that rating because it's a, him having a TV match. But you, you've got to give Riddle credit as well. I mean, you can't, you're not wrestling a broom. You know, there was there was definitely somebody else there who was pulling the the sort of the story. So it's got to be a big a big win for WB to get that number. And I mean, you know, it may, might have been nice if they didn't have Omas beat Riddle straight away afterwards. But you know, for SmackDown, it was a pretty pretty big deal and uh, a big win for them. Oh yeah, huge! I mean, they did a really good job on the story. I imagine that maybe people were interested uh, in seeing if Randy Orton would return after the match. Instead, it was brought Lesnar. Um, and it just shows, you know, the power of, you know, the old less is more policy. You make Roman Reigns a special attraction. You don't feature him constantly. I mean, this was his first TV title defense since WrestleMania, we should point out. Um, so, I mean, it just shows that there is value in Roman and in the championships that he holds. And I think there's, you know, a huge groundswell of support behind Riddle. I think he's doing so well right now. Um, I think they've done really well with the Orton story. Um, I just, yeah, I just thought the whole match was a triumph, to be honest with you, Kenny. I thought it was so well done. And um, I thought everyone, everyone won. Everyone was a winner from that match on SmackDown on Friday, uh, including WWE, because it drew its biggest, would that be its biggest number this year? I can't remember what it drew for the WrestleMania SmackDown. I know that did well also, but I'm not sure if it drew two and a half million viewers. I know it did do well. Uh, so, we'll uh, try and come up with that. I think um, that was about 2.3 million for the WrestleMania SmackDown, I believe. So that will be the, the, the one the night before, uh, night one of WrestleMania. Um but yeah, yeah, huge show. And there wasn't really a whole lot else, you know, on SmackDown uh, that you can really credit with drawing that number. Um, but I mean, you know, there's Raquel Gonzalez qualified for Money in the Bank. I mean, it wasn't much of a match. Uh, Max Dupree said the lighting wasn't good enough for his guys to appear, so they didn't appear. Uh, once again, that's been delayed. <laughs> uh, Gunter made his first appearance as IC champion in a backstage segment. And they talked about restoring the prestige of the title, just like what we wrote about in the last issue of uh, Inside the Ropes magazine. Could, Gun could Gunter be the man to restore the prestige of the title? They, you know, uh, Ludwig and Gunter say he's going to be the guy to do it. Uh, Gunter also said it would never again be held by an American. The IC title, that is. There you go. Uh, I, just want to, I just want to uh, jump in with, with the stat that you gave. So you, you are right, the... The SmackDown pre-WrestleMania was the only one that's beaten 
this past week. Uh, this one had a 2.229 million, and the April 1st one had a 2.359 million. But oh, right. their, okay. sec- their second best one of the year, pretty, very, very close. And to do it in June, which is usually a dark period for WWE's, you know, almost more impressive than the April 1st number, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Oh, sorry. You said it was two point two million for SmackDown on Friday. Not two point two nine because the the Riddle and the Riddle and Reigns match was two point five. Ah, okay, I'm with you. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, I, and that, the April first might not have hit that to be honest. So it might still be the highest rated segment of the year. Yeah. For WWE. Yeah, because there's nothing really on that WrestleMania SmackDown that no. you know, was blockbuster. I mean, I don't was... think two point five million people were tuning in to watch the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Yeah, or Ricochet versus uh, <laughs> <Lotharios>. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, big win. I mean, I was going to ask you, do you think that, because um, obviously so it looks like we're heading towards something with Riddle and Seth Rollins coming up. Uh, they did have Riddle lose to Omas clean. Do you think that, do you think they're, they're going to get behind Riddle more given, you know, how much this, how great this number was or do you think they're still going to see him a little bit of a run below? Where do you see Riddle's kind of, future for the rest of the summer being in WWE? Well, to me, this was one of the, you know, this was a, what I call a seed planting match. This was kind of like what they used to do, you know, back in the old days of the NWA World Champion when he used to tour the territories. And you would have an up-and-comer who would have a match with the NWA World Champion and he would hold the World Champion to a draw. Um, so he wasn't seen as, you know, the local guy, the local challenger, wasn't seen as being ready to become champion yet. But the fact that he had this 30-minute draw, 60-minute draw with the world champion was like, wow, you know, look at this guy. He's going to be a champion in future. He's going to be a top guy in this territory. Look at this match that he just had with this, you know, Jack Briscoe, Terry Funk or Halle Race or whomever. So to that, that to me is what the Riddle Roman Reigns match was. You know, it was to announce that Riddle will become champion in future but isn't ready for it yet. And um, I just thought it was so well done on, on so many levels, that match. one of the Actually, one of the finest pieces of booking I've seen in 2022. Uh, just a, In fact, could be my favourite match of the year, if you can believe that, because it achieved so much for so many people. I mean, I thought Paul Heyman was tremendous with his reactions at ringside. I thought Michael Cole was really good on commentary, saying Riddle has arrived. You know, Riddle lost, but he didn't matter. Because the match was so good. It was so closely contested. I don't think anyone really thought. They thought maybe there's a glimmer of hope that he might win. You know? But really, we all knew that Riddle wasn't going to win because he was facing Roman Reigns. So he was there to push Reigns to the limit and then do the job. But Riddle's a guy who takes a beating so well. You know, he's such a natural baby face. He's so good at selling and really provoking sympathy uh, when he's taking a beating. And uh, I'm not saying it's a lost out, because obviously Riddle's doing it, and other people can do it as well. But he does it very well, uh, knows when to make his comebacks, doesn't do too much. Um, Reigns is biggest star in the business, has been for a very long time. And, um, you know, he just looked just dynamite out there, Reigns. You know, for a guy who doesn't wrestle that often, you'd never believe it, would you, from that performance? Yeah, he did. It was a fantastic match, and uh, I hope that Riddle. I, ho- I hope they see what they've got with him because you know yeah. when, they've, when they've got people injured, he is 
he's he's definitely one they could do a lot with. So, but it's not his time yet. So it was absolutely the right outcome the way it played out. And plus, we got you know we've got Reigns versus Randy Orton coming at some point. Obviously, Brock Lesnar returned at the end, and it's going to be Lesnar versus Reigns in a last man standing match at SummerSlam. We think that Drew McIntyre is going to challenge Reigns at Clash of the Castle. So it's not time for Riddle yet. 2023, I think, will be the year when he maybe becomes champ. Um, but 2023 will be his year. And, you know, I'm sure he was really, you know, pleased with that performance and just, you know, beaming with pride. And in a sense, it didn't really matter that he lost to Omas in the uh, qualifier on, on Raw because Riddle doesn't need to be in that match now because he's established and he's a star. And that Money in the Bank ladder match, that's to hopefully create a new star or, or give someone who do, currently doesn't have a route to the title, the route to the title, hopefully Drew McIntyre, because, you know, I want to see him challenge for, for either both belts or one of the belts uh, in Cardiff in September. Um, I was just going to ask you before we move on, um, we did see Brock Lesnar's return on, at the end of SmackDown. Um, so we're going to, that is going to be the SummerSlam main event again. I mean, are you excited about it? Do you feel like it's a necessity for them to bring Brock back? Would you like to have, would you like to have seen them put somebody else in the spot to give somebody else a bit of shine? How do you feel about Brock being the guy to, to be the SummerSlam? Can we assume that Randy Orton is not able to do it? And that's why they've had to go in a different direction. Orton's got a back injury that may need surgery. Um, how do you feel about Brock being the person brought in to sort of step in? Um, well, I mean... I remember when I did the review in the magazine uh, of WrestleMania and I made the point that from the way the match ended at WrestleMania between Lesnar and Reigns, that the feud had not ended. You know, there was those you know, lingering glances after, afterwards. So it was clear there was going to be another match between them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would have preferred to see Orton in this spot. And, um, you know, they're keeping that one alive, Kenny. I mean, if you notice Roman Reigns during the match on SmackDown, he was talking into the camera directly to Randy Orton. So it's hard for me to believe that Orton's going to be out like for the rest of the year. I just, I'm not quite sure what's, I thought the injury was a storyline and apparently there is some truth to it. Um, but it's weird that, the, that they're spending so much time talking about Randy Orton if he's genuinely injured and can't wrestle, isn't it? Yes, I mean, it, it feels like they must kind of be like, right, we know he can't do SummerSlam, so we have to get Brock back, but we don't know, you know, maybe he can do, you know, the, the October pay-per-view or something. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. It's a strange I can't say I'm too excited about Brock and Roman again at SummerSlam because it feels like, you know, because if Brock comes back and then Brock loses to him again, if, I don't really know how you can extend that any further. No, this has got to be it. This has got to be the final match, hasn't it? Yeah, because I, mean, I, mean, I don't know how many matches as these two have had on pay-per-view, but we've got to be, we've got to be approaching seven or eight, maybe. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot, yeah. I mean... And the, 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 rest, the build to the WrestleMania one was definitely the best build of any of the ones they've had, for sure, I think. But, um, yeah. I, I guess it's just when you... With SummerSlam, sometimes you hope for some fresh stuff. That you you've not already had. I mean, they, they have had a lot of injuries, so it's what happens. But I don't know. I, I, I would yeah. have liked to maybe seen somebody else, and maybe if they'd have got Lashley ready for him for Reigns, that could have been good for him. Uh, yeah, but... I agree. I mean, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not elated. I'm not ecstatic <laughs> about 
You, you don't think it's going to take over from the Roman and Riddle match and your favourite match of the year, Paul? Yeah, and the reason I liked it so much was because it achieved so much. And I just yeah. thought in terms of the way it was booked and the way it elevated Riddle and it elevated Reigns and it set up Lesnar's return. I mean, I knew they were going to do another match. Obviously, they were going to from the way the WrestleMania match ended. Um, and SummerSlam seems like the place to book it if Orton's not ready. I thought it was going to be Orton versus Reigns at SummerSlam. Obviously, it's not. Um so, you know, what else did they have? Oh, you could have done Drew McIntyre, but we think he's going to be in the top spot in September, which is, I think, the right match for him. So, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because if Lesnar loses again, what's next for him? And it feels like Roman Reigns' journey as champ is not yet over. It feels like there's more for him to do. And I would rather that he was champ when he faced Orton and when he faced Drew McIntyre. So, you know, I'm a bit, I'm curious as to see how this one, but this one ends because Reigns has scored so many wins over Lesnar. Surely, you know, surely he can't, he can't win again, but there again, it's last man standing. So there are lots of things you can do to protect Lesnar on the finish, I guess. Well, listen, let's move on to the kind of final topic before we go. Um, and AEW have been dealt another blow for Forbidden Door. Obviously, CM Punk was announced his injury just after Double or Nothing on Rampage. And now we find out that Brian Danielson is also going to miss Forbidden Door and miss Blood and Guts. He was on last night's Dynamite saying that he was he, he's going to be out. He didn't give a he didn't give an indication of when he's going to be back. Um, Zach Sabre Jr. did come out and he's going to be facing somebody else, but Danielson wouldn't tell us who it was. Yeah. Um, are you are you concerned for Danielson in terms of this being a long-term thing, or do you think it's are you kind of confident that it's just, you know, he's out with an injury, he'll be back, it's fine. Has he said what the injury is? No. Okay. Do we think it's connected to his fall between the ring and the ramp on rampage that night? Yeah, I mean, hopefully that's what it is, because that would be way more manageable than if it was something to do with his previous injuries. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, he's, you know, it's, there's no point really sort of catastrophizing because we don't know if it is head related or concussion related or anything like that, because so there's no point really going down that road. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm sure, I'm sure lots of other people will dedicate lots of time to that discussion. Um, and, you know, if it's just a leg injury or knee injury, an ankle injury, then that's something that he can recover from in a few weeks. And he's he's making the right decision not participating in these matches if he's not ready to go. So, I mean, that should be, you know, AEW should be applauded for that. Danielson should be applauded for that. You know, this was something that WWE was concerned about, you know, why they didn't want him to leave because they didn't want him taking unnecessary risks. Um, you know, something that was mentioned found, mentioned many times by the company and people privately and publicly as well, which I, I thought was, you know, was very, very good of the company. That was the way W, that's the way WWE should be and the way WWE is. So I don't really think there's much else to say. I mean, if it's just a minor injury, then I'm sure we'll be back in action next month. If he's still on the bench four weeks from now, Kenny, then maybe we need to have that conversation. I mean, he has taken, I think, definitely more punishment in his AEW matches than he was taking in his WWE matches. So I hope it's not a recurrence of the um, of the injury that cost him however many years of his career it was. Was it three years or four years he was out? Yeah, three, like three, three years, yeah. 
yeah. three years he was out. But I mean, the the thing is, I mean, it, there was a report saying that he was unable to fly um, at double or nothing, and that, or, or just after he, he was unable to fly somewhere, and that was why. But obviously, I mean, he's flown now to to this place to wherever they yeah. were last night. So you know that gives me a little bit more hopefully confidence that it's just a. I mean, to me, if you're AEW, put out. Why I know sometimes you know WWE don't want to you know they've not put out why Rhea Ripley's injured yeah you know she's she said it's a brain slash teeth thing but I think sometimes you know especially with Brian Danielson give us the information so we can relax a little bit so we can kind of not worry um because otherwise you do just kind of your your mind does race to the the you, you know you fear the worst don't you yeah you know so, because. Because things were bad for a long time. So, um, I mean, I'm sure if it gets to that for Danielson, because, you know, he's reached a point in his life now where he, you would hope that he's not going to take on any unnecessary risks. And he's had this run, you know, he had the, the WWE comeback, you know, and did a lot of things there. You know, he's made, he's made his money. You know, as I often say, there's lots of money to be made he could make a lot of money as a non-wrestler in this industry. He, if he, if he chooses to, you know, he'll be in demand for years at conventions. He could go back to WWE and do something that didn't require him to take any bumps. So there's lots of options for him. And I'm sure he's in a, in a very good position financially that possibly he doesn't even need to work anymore. So why take the risk? And hopefully, hopefully he won't. Hopefully, you know, if this if this is you know very worrying, hopefully he'll do the right thing and say, you know, it's my time. You know, I've had my run. I'm pleased with what I've achieved. It's time for me to do the right thing for my health and for 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 my family. Um, and then the big news is last night on the go home show for Forbidden Forbidden Door, Kazuchika Okada made his AEW debut. He uh, came out to make the save for Adam Page when Adam Cole and Jay White were uh, beating up uh, Paige. So it basically means that what we're going to get is uh, the, a four-way for the IWGP title at Forbidden Door with Paige, uh, Cole, White, and Okada. And, you know, it's funny. I was, I was talking to some people who I know who follow New Japan a lot, and I'd ask them, I said, you know, is, is, is the Forbidden Door card, is, is it worthy of what you'd hoped it would be? And most of them have said it's, it should be a fun show, but it doesn't feel like there's any dream matches. There's anything, you know, it just feels like a bunch of matches. And yeah. to me, Okada being in a four-way with, you know, Adam Cole, who's been, had a really dull AEW run. Adam Page, who's kind of coming off, you know, that hot end to his title reign, but nothing since. And Jay White, who... I mean, people tell me he's great. I've yet to see the charisma come out yet. <laughs> I've yet to see the evidence. Yeah, I've not seen it. Not seen it. I um, mean, he doesn't exactly light up the arena, does he? No, he, he, I don't think he could light up a sparkler. You know, I think he's <laughs> he's just does nothing. He couldn't light up a tea light. Um, so you know, you've got Okada, who is who t- to me, he was the one person I was like, I can't wait to see Okada. Obviously, it'd be great to see Tanahashi and uh, Will Osprey and all the other people they're going to bring in. But Okada for me was the one I, re- I like Okada. You know, even though I'm not a big fan of one-hour matches, and I know the Okada Omega series is, you know, very highly acclaimed. I was looking forward to seeing Okada and to see him come out in the Go Home Show, insert in the four-way. To me, is just not that exciting. What do you think? 
Yeah, and wasn't it weird on last week's Dynamite? Jay White was there and he interrupted uh, Adam Page and Adam Cole, um, nailed Adam Page with the Blade Runner, and then Jay White said that he wasn't going to defend the belt against either Adam Page or Adam Cole. And now he's defending the belt against both of them. So that's very odd as well. Mm-hmm. And I sense that something went wrong in that segment from the announcer's reaction to it afterwards. And they seem very confused. I mean, I know the announcers on AEW are often confused and left looking on in disbelief at the things that occur on that program and the things that are said. But that, to me, it struck me as something had, had gone awry there. Like, you know, Jay White wasn't supposed to say that. But he did say it with great conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I just find it odd that Jay White said, no, I'm not going to defend it against either of you two. And then Akada turns up and instead of the spotlight being firmly on him, which it should be, he should be in a one-on-one match. So we get to see the best of him. And like, Okada's not really renowned for uh, having fatal four-way matches. You know, he's more of a one-on-one guy in New Japan. And New Japan, he does do occasional gimmick matches, but not that many, does it? It's more of a one-on-one type of promotion. So it is a bit odd that he's been booked in this match with three other people. To me, he should have just been booked against someone lower on the card if he wasn't going to be in a top title match. You know, so we can see him do all his signature spots. He can work the crowd. He can, you know, basically just, you know, bask in the glory of being on this show and make a very positive impression. And then, you know, if there is if there is another Forbidden Door show or if he was going to wrestle on a future event, he can come back and then, you know, wrestle somebody for a title. So to me, he should have been in a one-on-one match. Uh, well, let, me, let me quickly just run down the card for Forbidden Door and just get your take overall on the card. I'm going to try and not butcher as many of these names as I can. So um, we've got Zack Sabre Jr. taking on an opponent of Brian Danielson's choosing. So Do you think interest. it'll be Cesaro? I think it could be. I think it might. I think it might be. That seems to me like the. If it's a surprise, that's who he's got the relationship with. Um, it's either going to be Cesaro or Johnny Elite, or it, you know, it could be Wheeler Utah. Oh my God! Hopefully not. <laughs> um, anyway, we've got the Young Bucks and uh, Bullet Club members El Fantasma and Hikaleo against Darby Allen, Sting, Shingo Takagi, and Hiromu Takahashi. Um, We've got Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm for the AEW Women's title. Not quite sure how that's part of the Forbidden Door. So it's two AEW yeah. wrestlers, but sure. Yeah. Um, three-way winner takes all match for the ROH Tag Team titles and the IWGP Tag Titles, which is FTR against United Empire, which Great O'Can and Jeff Cobb and Rapongi Vice, Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero. Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy for the IWGP US title. I mean, really? Now, I've heard that Will Ospreay, his favourite wrestler in AEW is Orange Cassidy. Well, do you know what? Will Ospreay's not the booker. You know, he's welcome to him. <laughs> like, you know, Will Ospreay, and you're putting him against Orange Cassidy, who has had no TV time. Because he's in been many off. months. Yeah, he's been, he's been injured, hasn't he? Was yeah. it like an arm injury? Yeah, he's, he just appeared, he returned last week, didn't he? Yeah, he returned last week. And it's like... And I, I, you know, I like Orange Cassidy. It's not me, 
being down on him, but it's just like, this is supposed to be the forbidden door. This is supposed to be the best of the best, the biggest stars, the yeah. big dream matches. Um, we've got uh, Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho team with Minoru Suzuki to take on Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta and Shota Umino. So yeah, so Wheeler Yuta will not be against Saxe Virginia, much to your relief then. No doubt Minoru Suzuki will do the job like he always does. <laughs> why, why not? Why, I mean, it just makes sense to have him job every single time. Um, exactly, why not? Uh, we've, got another, we've got another four-way for the inaugural AEW All-Atlantic title because there's another men's title coming. Pac, Miro, Malachi Black and Tomohiro, Tomohiro Ishii are going to be the participants for that. So we've got another four-way match. Another four-way. I mean, we only need really one four-way match each show. Otherwise, it becomes overkill. And this show, Kenny, is going to be overkill. It's going to be kick out, kick out, kick out, kick out, kick out, kick out, another kick out. <laughs> you know, it's just going to be kick out central. This is going to be the kick, and never mind the forbidden door. This is going to be the kick out show. It's just going to be excess. That's what this show is going to be. And we don't need another four way. We only need one four way on the show. I mean, it just beggars belief, doesn't it? It really does. It's just so. And then we've obviously got as well the uh, we've we've got the interim the, the interim title match with yes. uh, John Moxley and uh, Takahashi, which I immediately had a brain fart. Tanahashi. Tanahashi, fucking hell! One more time for the interim AEW World Title, we have John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi, um, which should be. A, a, a belter should be a big main event so at least they have that well I can't say I'm a huge fan of John Moxley but I mean we'll see but at, le- at least in this one Finn it's two big stars it's a <laughs> big AEW star it's a big New Japan star which should be the concept of this whole show yeah well exactly Moxley I don't know what's worse is haphazard promos or is like meandering matches but I mean maybe Tanahashi will Keep him in line, and there'll be a bit of structure to the match. So, um, I mean, hopefully, Moxley doesn't bleed. Don't need to see John Moxley bleed ever again. No, no, same here. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's people in the card who I would imagine if you are trying to sell people, sell some people who are not New Japan fans, um. I think, like, I think the eight-man tag will be fun. Having Sting in there with, you know, the Bullet Club and the Young Bucks will probably be quite fun to watch. Yeah. Um, Zack Sabre Jr.'s match should probably be really good. Um, I think the the six-man with Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Minoru Suzuki with Wheeler, you, uh, Kingston and Umino should be pretty fun. But I do, th- I, I think, I just don't think Okada should be in a four-way. <laughs> I think no. he should be in a... I mean, look, I mean, I see before when they said it's going to be Hangman, Adam Page, and, and Okada. I remember going, "Oh, well, that's okay. That's a dream match compared to what we've got now." Yeah, and and that's it. And the thing is, you know, that could have revived Page. I mean, Okada surely would have won. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how many how many of the New Japan guys do jobs, since the New Japan talent generally do jobs when they appear on AEW shows. Although I didn't, I did note that Will Ospreay. Scored a win last week, didn't he? He's got a win against Dax, wasn't it? Dax Harwood. Dax um, Harwood, yeah. Yes, so. on Dynamite last week in a match that was uh, rather overindulgent, as uh, <laughs> matches usually are. And uh, wow, that was kick out, kick out, kick. I mean, just the German suplexes just never ended. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was just like went on. It's oh, now they're going to do this. Oh, now they're doing that. 
oh, well, they better they, they have to do more. We need more. Just keep going. So, um, yeah, I just hope, you know, there's a bit of, you know, discipline when it comes to booking. There probably won't be. And um, <laughs> you know, they can just temper the undercard matches so they just don't deliver too much. And we have this sort of gradual sort of, you know, crescendo to the main event. I mean, this never happens in AEW, of course. Um, but I just sort of fear that it's just, it's just going to be everyone attempting to steal the show rather than trying to arrange the show in a way that it's creating a mood, which is what a pro wrestling show is supposed to do. Um, so we're not completely frazzled and burnt out by the time the main event ends up in the ring. Uh, but no, sorry, I just got sidetracked there with Paige and Akada. That could have been, if they just had a one-on-one on, one match, I think that would have been really good for Adam Page because, you know, Akada would have won, but they could have had a hell of a match and it could have been like a handshake thing at the end and, you know, this sort of this sort of acknowledgement that Page is in Okada's league, which, you know, he should be. I mean, he was the AEW World Champion. Um, and I think that could have been very good for both men and it would have really shown us what Akada could do because it would have just been a one-on-one match instead of a four-way match. So the light, the light, the, the spotlight would have been very much on him. And um, we would have seen the best of him against Paige. So I think that would have been a win-win for both men. Kind of almost like a Reigns-Riddle type match. I think that could have been. Um, well, listen, we will be here next week and we will uh, endeavour to talk about some of the top matches from Forbidden Door. Because, um, you know, I'm sure it'll be a, a, a noteworthy, there will be some noteworthy stuff that comes out of the the show that takes place this Sunday. Um, but yeah, I feel like Finn, we've, 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 we've packed a lot in to this hour. We've done well to kind of get yes. ourselves almost caught up with everything. So, and then, you know, next Tuesday we'll, we'll, we'll be back to normal. We will be. Yes. Did you have a good holiday, by the way? I did. I did have a good holiday. I enjoyed it very much. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to be back. I don't know if you ever got this when you were doing, when you were kind of, full time that like by about day five or six you were kind of ready to get back into it again you'd had your break uh that's kind of where i was at by day six i was kind of like okay i'm ready to come back and get get stuck in again yeah yeah i I, I did when i was running the magazine because (laughs) you know i mean i didn't have that many lengthy holidays um i had one in 98 and i had one in 2001 um i can't remember if i went away for a week at any other point in the magazine's history oh yeah i did just before the magazine closed i did in june 2014 went away for a week then um but yeah i know what you mean and but for me it was always like you want to get back you know the mountain that you've got to climb when you return that was Mm -hmm. mostly my motivation for wanting to you know end the not end the holiday but return home because oh my god i've got so much to do in and i've only got like 12 days to do it in so that was you know i can sure that's the sort of thing that you're thinking um but yeah very strange kenny the timing of it that you were going holiday just when this you know bigger story in quite a few years broke mm-hmm. yeah hopefully next time where well, dan said you should go and hold him more often to see if these big stories break uh but anyway uh, listen that's all the time we've got for today uh, you can catch more of us on patreon we just put up finn's q a from this month some belter stuff in there, but uh, what would happen if AEW went to Monday night? What would Brian Pillman be doing if he had if he was around today? Uh, would Bret Hart have gone to the WWF had uh, you know tragedy not occurred, etc.? Um, 
lots of good stuff in there. So do check that out. We obviously do the overrun every week. Uh, we'll be doing the King of the Ring 2002 review soon. So that'll be going up as well at some point uh, shortly. Um, but yeah, patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes. And of course, inside the ropes magazine.com is where you can check out the magazine. And um, you can order one issue to just try it out. You can do a subscript a monthly rolling subscription that you can cancel anytime. It's an easy, easy decision to make. Uh, once you've once you've checked it out, and uh, the subscription is a really easy option. So we hope that you will give us a go. Exactly. Um, and the next issue is out next Thursday. Next Thursday. So there you go. We hope that you enjoy that. A crack in Roman Reigns cover, uh, which is very exciting. So I uh, want to thank you for all your support, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. I'm sad tonight